0: Finding enough time to do your art can be one of the biggest challenges of trying to learn or trying to improve. As usual on this show, I want to try and unpack all of these ideas about time in as much detail as possible so that we can go deep and really understand the issues at play. That way I feel we can come away with some tactics and strategies and simple takeaways that are backed by some rigorous thought. In the past, I've talked about how ritual and developing your artistic ritual can be a real key to finding more time and energy to create your work. Everyone has different challenges when it comes to time. You might be someone who has almost too much time on your hands and you're not quite sure what to do with it. You might be someone who has almost no time and you're not quite sure how to get the most out of it. The most important thing to consider here is that there's no real such thing as time management. It's really about managing ourselves time moves on whether we like it or not our job is to figure out how we relate to it and how we can use this idea of time to better understand ourselves this should be an interesting episode I think there's lots of things to unpack here and some really solid easy takeaways that we can use to get our ritual working better and understand how it relates to the time that we have in the day (laughs) welcome to the visual scholar podcast my name is tim mcburney i've been a professional working artist for over 20 years and on this show we're all about demystifying the world of art creativity and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey i've spoken on this show before about the ideas of ritual and how important i think habit is to automating the action of sitting down and creating art, we can almost become addicted to this process and really develop habits that help us as artists. And I think time and understanding how time relates to this idea of ritual where we figure out how and when we're going to sit down and actually create art and the tactics involved with how time relates to that Those are really, really important ideas. I think these are things, again, where if we put a lot of energy at this stage into our sort of daily habit, all the things that we're doing, all of the action, all of the creating art often actually sort of takes care of itself. A big part of this, if we wanna sort of frame it as a big idea is really about rhythm, finding your own rhythm and how art relates to how you feel at particular times during the day. I think this is both about finding and discovering your specific rhythm and then appreciating it and appreciating maybe where it fits in the larger landscape of society. I think one of the biggest things that you might find is that as artists, we're often a little bit sort of sensitive we're a little bit picky. The how and the why are important because they relate to how we feel when we're creating art. It's a little bit less like if you're just hitting the gym, you know, people often say, look, it doesn't matter when you work out, you know, people get up at 3am, you know, they do it just before bed. It's, it's almost like sort of, you know, you just have to do it. Uh, I feel like art's a little bit different because again, there's, there's, levels of energy that we have during the day that I think are very, very important to harness with our art creation. And also, we often need a lot of focus time. So there's a lot of moving elements here that I think are really, really important to consider. But the goal is always for you to find the time that kind of works for you. And to understand that that is going to change over time as your life evolves and changes itself. But I think if we appreciate these issues, we'll develop a skill set both for understanding sort of how all humans work and, you know, what times and rhythms of creation are generally likely to work and also how you work specifically. And if, again, you get that toolkit right, it's very easy over time to just modify the way that you relate to your schedule so that you can always fit art in. A simple way that I like to think of this is to consider that what we're doing is building time and space within our day to create art. I think you can really view this as if you are building like a physical thing. It's a little bit separate to the art you're creating, but in itself it is like a work of art where what you're trying to do is build a a space that you go to create art and a time that you go there and that sort of combines to make a ritual. And that, even if you don't have that at the moment or maybe that's been upset, um, changed by life circumstance, etc., or you're trying to get more of it, whatever it is, I think it's really important to appreciate that building that thing Building that space within your life for art is a major part of over time getting to where you want with your artistic goals and you need to appreciate and put some time and effort into maintaining and working towards optimizing that space in your life. The real key with this space is just to appreciate that, look, it's probably not going to happen on its own. It's something that you do have to work towards. You need to maintain it. You need to put some effort into thinking about where it goes and how to modify it over time. And I think as long as you do that, it's very easy to appreciate and put some effort into it. And again, you know, don't feel bad if a lot of these things aren't just naturally happening. This is something we need to work on and there are strategies and tactics we can employ to, you know, make it better or worse or more effective. If we consider the nature of this space, of this artistic ritual, it really is something that has a lot of value. And I think you should appreciate that and sort of, you know, look at the quality and the the nature of the thing that you are building here. It really represents to me anyway when I think about the space that I have for art and how I try and you know optimize the amount of time and energy I can spend on it over time while doing other things in my life it represents to me this amazing amount of sort of coiled kinetic energy right it is this thing where it's allowing me to create all the work that I want to create and the better it is and the stronger it is the more it allows me to do that the more it represents my ability to, kind of harness and, you know, develop this creative energy. As I said, a big part of this is also understanding that we're not really managing time. We're managing ourselves through time. Time kind of is a weird amorphous concept that we certainly view a certain way. There's not much utility in going into the theoretical philosophical discussions about time relativity or any of that stuff. Time exists for us. It's very real. We only get 24 hours in the day, but Again, the way that you experience those is potentially going to change as you modify the way that you spend it and the quality of time. So a lot of this is understanding that what we're trying to do is gain focus within the time that we have. And I think also to understand that this is about quality of time, not necessarily just quantity of time. And what we're trying to develop, again, is that ritualistic practice where we sit down and things actually happen, that the time we have in our ritual is a lot more effective. And I think that does two things. One is that it allows us to really have those periods of, of artistic focus and obviously, The more effective and efficient your actual sort of process and creative space is, the more time you actually have to do other things. And I think, again, this speaks to a lot of the ideas that I think are really important, which is about, you know, focus and then relax, focus and then relax. Although, you know, artists need to spend a lot of time doing their art, we also need to experience the world and, you know, have lives, obviously. So a big part of this is just appreciating, again, this thing we're building is this space in our life that represents a lot of coiled energy. And a big part of how I think we relate to time is to understand how to manifest and control the way that humans experience time. So that we can experience a much more focused and sort of happy energy when we're actually doing it, when we're actually sort of, you know, working in our artistic ritual. A good example of how I feel like I've felt these effects in my own artistic career is that I was very much sort of controlled by the artistic deadline. In my earlier years when I was working in comic books, uh, sort of working in publishing schedules. And this would be where I'd have a, you know, a deadline at the end of the month, I had to do X number of pages to deliver to make sure I was kind of on time um, on schedule. Now, I think that often as artists, we fall prey to these feelings of sort of deadline pressure. And I think there's a couple of really interesting reasons why um, that I'll sort of unpack. But, you know, the situation that I'd be in and as I, I was working on, you know, one of my first comics, and I really felt a lot of pressure in that environment, I felt like, if I didn't deliver this comic and be professional and get all my stuff done, that I probably wouldn't get to do another one. And my dreams of becoming a comic book artist would disappear into the ether. Um, I'd have to go do some other job. And I really had no idea how to do any other job. So there was just a huge amount of pressure on me. And I think the way that I'd normally dealt with producing was very much with that deadline pressure. Which is where we use the deadline and the schedule to kind of motivate us to do things. And so I'd be working on my pages and I'd be doing procrastinating and doing a lot of the other things that I've talked about in previous episodes, playing too many video games, uh, again, just sort of surfing the internet um, for looking at art, not drawing. And I kind of let that deadline pressure build and build and build and build. And obviously, I'd be doing some things, but then there'd be this last push at the end of the month, and I'd sort of scramble and be staying up very late at night and, you know, doing all of this, um, you know, sort of typical artistic stuff, I feel, where we really sort of get into, a, a you know, this kind of crazy, hectic space that, that can actually be a lot of fun. There's a lot of adrenaline there. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. And I think, again, there's reasons that we delve into that where I, I feel like it does help us focus, right? The focus is key. And it it, it allows us to understand that, you know, man, we got to create now sort of thing. It removes the editing part of the mind, the intellectual editing aspects of ourselves as artists. And I think we often use deadlines to do that. Um, it can be a great way to actually focus. It, it's almost like, a, again, to 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 view it from a from a different lens. It's almost like a meditation where you are sort of forcing yourself by external means, which is again, probably pre- preferable to do this internally, <laughs> but we're using external means to get us into state of you need to create art now. If you don't, your life will be over. And that Gets you in a quite a good effective state of focus, right? Very focused, um, lots of cortisol, lots of stress, everything's sort of affecting everything. And I'd sort of grind away and I'd do this and I feel really good. I think that's one of the things where we, again, we develop these, mm, it's a functional, but maybe not um, a, a sustainable sort of dopamine hormone chain of events, right? Which again is a, I'd really try and draw a lot of these things back to this sort of scientific basis to this, because I think it helps us to understand that, again, in many cases, there are factors that are controlling our emotions in in these instances. But I'd finish my deadline, I'd I'd hand up the pages, and then I'd kind of be comatose for a few days, right? Um, And and that's the burnout cycle. Now, I think if you uh, are in that cycle, and you know, you can take a break after that, it's quite a good feeling, right? It feels like a rush, right? It feels like a creative compression and, and then sort of release, right? And I, I kind of just realized at some point that th- there was like a lot of drama there and that it, it wasn't necessarily doing my life any good. Um, you know, I, I just sort of found that, you know, I, I wouldn't have much time after that deadline, I would re- really be ineffective. And, and it's almost like I'd sort of get into this mindset of saying it, it's like a vicious cycle where I'd get it done and then I'd say, right, that's it. That's it, Tim. You need to make sure that next time this doesn't happen again because we don't ever want to be there. And but all my energy has been used up. You've kind of gone to red line. You've blown out out everything. And so what happens is then I kind of take a break because I'm sort of burnt out. And then when I come back to it again, it's this sort of cycle of habitual action where, you know, then I kind of start procrastinating a bit because, uh, again, it's not a sustainable ritualistic process. So um, what I sort of started to train do is just understand that, like, look, it doesn't really make any difference. If I, you know, sort of do that deadline crunch, um, all that's happening is I'm sort of just compressing the work at the end of the month and I'm having to take a big break. And then, you know, there's not actually more work being done, let's say, and that there's a lot of emotions there. And I think the number one key thing is that I wouldn't enjoy a lot of my procrastination time, my spare time. Because I'd always be thinking I'm supposed to be doing work. So I think there's often um, and maybe you can relate to some of these ideas, right? I I found that um, through talking to people, you know, this it's not an uncommon sort of set of situations, right? That, That people sort of use to get themselves to do stuff. So the problem here is like this is functional. But I think that managing ourselves through time can be a little bit more effective if we sort of really handle these things and do two things. One is, again, to create the regular ritual, which is what I started to do. And secondly, to make sure that we appreciate and have fun in our non-creative time as well, because that, I think, is the thing that really makes the the overall process a lot more enjoyable and sustainable. Um, and again, I, I think that's just that sort of grinding the deadline is just something that's not possible throughout all phases of your life. So anyway, the the point there is that, again, we often have strange relationships to time and the time pressure that is put on us is something that we're often unconsciously motivated by. And unconsciously, again, what I would say in in that situation is, I'm actually probably subconsciously leveraging the time pressure to get me into a state and a creative process that I was finding it hard for myself to actually enter on my, of my own free will. So it's no surprise that, again, to me, the answer and the solution to that sort of problem that I was having is to develop more of a regular daily ritual. And this is why, again, I'm often talking about this so much, and I think it's so important for developing a sustainable creative practice. What I would find through grinding deadlines like that is that I wasn't actually getting heaps of work done. I was probably getting less work done over time because it wasn't as sustainable. And if you just think about the math, I think that sort of completely tracks, right? If you're creating X amount of work per day, And you have this sort of regular system that is very sustainable, i.e. you have, you know, um, downtime in the day if you're a professional artist and you're working, you know, all day on your art, you've got time to think about things. um, Or again, you have like your other sort of job or the other thing that you're doing. um, You have family life, etc. Whatever you're doing from a social aspect and your art fits in, you know, um, as a small portion of that, if you're a hobby artist, whatever it is, like, if you can increase the amount of time you're spending on your art by, you know, 10 minutes a day or half an hour a day, what you'll find is again the compounding of that over time will be massive, versus it's very easy to lose that amount of time just through kind of taking a few days off because you're burnt out. Um, and uh, again, you know, just going through these kind of more vicious cycles. And I also think, again, if we go back to the idea of learning through sleep, essentially, I think it's much more important over time for development to have that sort of regular process where we're doing a bit each day. Because again, if I'm sort of burnt out comatose um, on the couch for a few days after I just smashed my deadline, I'm not learning anything there. Um, I'm just sort of recovering. And, you know, I also probably wasn't learning a lot when I was, you know, smashing the deadline and grinding. Um, So anyway, hopefully that makes sense. Again, how a lot of this is a matter of not necessarily like finding more time. It's a matter of understanding our relationship to time and how it affects the ritual and how over time, right, those sort of patterns uh, can greatly affect our improvement um, and, again, make a make a massive difference to actually how long it takes us to achieve our goals. Now, just as an aside, it probably is worth unpacking that idea there that I was kind of hinting at, which is that often I think as artists, we are actually using a lot of these external environmental factors like, um, again, deadlines or other people or what other people think or Um, Again, just a variety of stuff that goes on. We, We can often subconsciously get into these patterns of using that to motivate ourselves and get ourselves into the right state of mind. I think this is often where I talk about these concepts of artistic angst. Um, and procrastination is sort of the talking and and meditating on not drawing or not having your mojo or things not being right and needing all the stars to align before you can actually sort of do your thing. Um, To me, this is all just noise that emanates from the need for us to feel a certain way when we're creating, let's say. And I think that often what people do when we learn from school and uh, again, if, if you've been listening to for a few episodes and you know me at all, you know that, again, my, my, my thesis on a lot of sort of traditional educational paradigms is that they're normally not that effective um, and, and they're pretty antithetical in most cases to the way we need to sort of learn art. And again, I think that the relationship most of us have to deadlines through going through a traditional sort of Western schooling system sort of bears that out. Because again, often what people do is you sort of wait until you can't wait any longer and then you kind of have to do it. And because you have to do it, because otherwise if you didn't start your essay or your assignment or whatever it is right now, then you know, you know you're going to fail. There's this little sort of clock at the back of your mind that's tracking all those things. And I think what it does is it kind of turns on and says like, "Oh, okay, now we have to switch off all the stuff that was telling us not to do it and just go and create it. And I think that does two things. One is that it removes the editing, the neocortex from the process a little bit, which I think from from an artistic standpoint is often what we're trying to do anyway. We're trying to get rid of the thinking, the editing. Oh, is this any good? Oh, maybe I suck. Maybe I won't become a professional artist. Um, Is this anatomy right? Is this thing right? When you are on deadline, none of that matters because if you don't do it right now, you are going to fail, and you are going to fail big time. And you are either going to lose your client, you are going to lose your money, (laughs) you know. Which, which essentially, you know, typically we associate with really bad things, right? It essentially is associated with like a death, right? Something really bad is going to happen. So don't edit, don't do anything, and it kind of quiets all the noise and allows us to focus. I think it's the same thing when you know we're in high school trying to finish an essay, right? It it just kind of. Removes all of the like, why am I doing this? What's going on? Like, does this matter? Can I even make this good? And what it does, secondly, is it makes us feel really good when we finish it. Now, what you find or what I have found is that when I do have time and when I do the, you know, the more sensible thing, which is like sustainable, do it every day, try and, you know, get things done on time before the deadline hits, is that there's more editing that we as individuals need to manage because we don't have that stress that's kind of, you know, giving us tunnel vision. And it means that we're dealing with those issues more and we really have to face down those demons of editing. Is this any good? Why am I doing this? Why am I in school? Why am I writing this essay? How does this matter? Can I make this something good? Can I care about this? Should I care about this? These are all questions we now have to answer. Because we have time to think about them, and when we finish, certainly when I, you know, finish things on time, I'm more likely to think, "Oh, is that any good? Like, you know, is was was you know did I do that right?" Um, again, after I've finished it, whereas there's just this massive elated feeling that we get when we finish things. Um, when we're in a huge crunch deadline. And it's this feeling of like, you know, I am the, the victor, right? It's like you've kind of won an Olympic medal or something. Sometimes there's just a massive feeling of elation when you finish something and you're out from that pressure of like cortisol, stress, adrenaline, um, you know, sort of existential threat and doom. And it's like, ah, oh, I finished it. I did. I got it. I got it done. And I think that really colors our feeling of the quality of the work, because we're like, well, maybe it wasn't the best thing, but I did it. And I, I, you know, I did not fail, I didn't sort of this, this massive negative failure didn't happen to me. And as a result, I think often what happens is that we don't really assess the quality of the work. We assess our sort of feeling and emotion through creating it, the journey, which again, is interesting, because that's also valid. But I do think that often we get pushed to giving ourselves stress, stressful sort of deadline um, targets because it allows us to deal with those two things. One is to feel really good when we finish it, not just kind of be like, oh, I feel good and "Oh, maybe I could change some things or like, oh, you know, you, you feel unequivoc- unequivocally good when you finish um, something on deadline. And, uh, you know, so it gives us that real sort of hit, that event, that like, bam, this is amazing. And it also means we don't have to deal with any of the voices and the nonsense. So I think when you do manage your time and sort of, uh, as I would sort of have viewed it back then, like sort of grow up and start doing things properly and, and have more sustainable stuff and all that kind of blah, 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 right? Um, stop just kind of living the artistic rock star life is that it is harder in some ways, and it is it does feel a little bit less intense and a little bit less creative because we often associate those um, all-nighters with creativity. Um, and uh, again, that's something that, uh, again, we will unpack a little bit more as we progress um, in this episode. But I thought that's an important thing to mention because I've seen that sort of manifest in, in a lot of students and, and people and it's something that I've really noticed and just found fascinating um, in my own experience of this of again you know having those two experiences where again you're on deadline and, and that's kind of something fun about that um, there's something alive about that where and and even today I you know when I'm on a deadline it kind of it, it brings me back to the good old days right um, when uh, you know death was imminent and uh, you know when you finish it it feels like you know, you've just sort of won some gold medal. Um, you're sort of the, the victor of all. This is more a thought experiment. But uh, again, you know, some of the things that I had, um, you know, sort of written down about sort of artists is that, um, you know, we tend to be a little bit more sensitive. So, you know, we are going to be very sensitive, as I often say, to where we are um, you know, what time it is and what our feelings, So again, going back to the idea, that idea of like being very motivated by these feelings of deadline and stress and pressure. I think that we tend to be very fussy about these things. Um, and I think that's one of the things that often makes artists really good is that they are very sensitive to all of these visual sensations. And, and that often comes with just also generally being, um, you know, in, in many cases, high strung. Um, and, and that means that it's very. There are more ways for us to be knocked off our game, right, versus someone who tends to be less sensitive um, and more resilient to, you know, just sort of stuff happening to them. So, again, just appreciate. Again, we 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 can tend to be pretty sensitive. The other thing to consider is that we are creative and that we're engaging in a creative practice, and what this means is that we need to really find time and build space in our life ritualistically that is protected because I think the creative process often does need to be a situation where we're focusing, where we're not having those intrusive thoughts of editing. And again, this is where we're trying to go into flow. We're trying to build that space. So again, there might be other careers and other ideas where their method of time management might be slightly different. Tactics there might work for them versus, you know, us differently so again we're in a creative practice and and whatever that means to you um, is going to change how you relate to time and the requirements you have on time because again what we're thinking about is not just okay you need 2 hours or 1 hour it's what is that time like what's the environment you're in what's the quality of it is someone distracting you is your own things distracting you is your mind distracting you etc again the creative practice is important now given That general sensitivity, I think it's really important to consider the natural kind of rhythms that we sort of uh, modified by on a biological level over time. Now, there's a number of these that, you know, we can typically point at. The one that often is talked about is the circadian rhythm. Now, the circadian rhythm is a 24-hour cycle of sort of hormonal ups and downs of sort of focus and just different things that happen to our body that, you know, key us for sleep, alertness at different periods of time, etc., etc. The ultradian rhythm is more of a sort of rhythm repeats, It kind of is, you know, said to be sort of maybe a one hour or two hour sort of rhythm. It kind of deals with general sort of alertness, um, unalertness, alertness, unalertness. And and that kind of just goes on throughout the day, right? So it's not necessarily limited to a 24 hour period. Other hormonal rhythms are typically called an infradian rhythm. You might have hormonal rhythms that affect how you feel and your sensitivity and your relationship to, again, focus and all of these things that are going to change not necessarily over a 24-hour period, but over longer periods of time. Now, all of these rhythms are things that you have to consider together. They're potentially going to change based on your biological sex. They're going to change based on your age. They're going to change based on, you know, a lot of other things, like, you know, just generally what your health is, how you're feeling. The key here is to understand that these rhythms are going to affect us. And a lot of the... Kind of typical productivity advice that's given is very much based around this sort of, you know, Monday to Friday work week, which is, again, doesn't take into consideration, um, you know, people who have, you know, hormonal cycles that, you know, go over you know, sort of longer than one day, let's see, they're very focused on like, oh, this is all regular, we should be feeling this way at this point in time, you know, you need to be able to get up at this point in time and do this and then do this and do this. And that's kind of what normality looks like. And that's kind of the optimum sort of thing that we should all be doing. Um, and as I've said with ritual, again, if you work at a job and you go out and you do your thing, you're going to be keyed into being alert at a particular time. And, and it kind of sorts out a lot of these things. I think often, again, when we're doing artistic stuff, it's less about going somewhere, as I frequently say. It's more about us managing these things ourselves. And because we're sensitive, I think we have to pay more attention to our own set of sort of day-night hormonal rhythms that, again, are going to affect how we feel at different periods of the month, of the day, Um, and, again, you know, sort of hour-to-hour. And if you can kind of harness that and understand that is a fundamental aspect of time as it relates to your energy and focus at a particular point in time that, again, if you can kind of harness and hack that, like a lot of these other ritualistic elements, it makes it, it means that a lot of the effect sort of takes care of itself. Um, and what we want to avoid doing is to, you know, view ourselves as just sort of very mechanistic, right? Again, the story that's told about sort of Western cultural sort of, you know, work ideals is very much like, you know, humans are just machines and our emotions are just machines and you can just kind of train anything. And it's like, well, that's kind of true, but you do have to appreciate the machine and the machine is not necessarily some mechanistic sort of logical rational thing Um, it runs on a lot of this other sort of weird um, wacky um, rhythmical sort of uh, up and down uh, sort of patterns and and if you appreciate that I think it's very easy to sort of get the energy when you need it and notice when you do have focus and when you don't have focus and to utilize that time and understand that again you, you if you think about focus is something that you have to kind of mine, right? You have to kind of find it throughout the day and sort of pick and choose those areas of focus and sort of treat them as very precious and use the areas of, you know, low focus to do things like relaxing and chilling out. Because again, in a similar way, you know, those are periods of your day, um, of your week, that are good for relaxing and if your body's keyed into relaxing at those times it's going to be very effective and efficient at relaxing so again that's how I kind of view this right is that the us is very much made up of a sensitive sort of creative individual who is going to be very much benefiting from appreciating and understanding and hacking these natural rhythms so Hopefully a lot of that gives us context, right? Which again is often what I'm trying to do um, is go a little bit deeper and, and try and really discuss these concepts. But a lot of that is information. It helps us to understand the frame and get a bit of better view on what we're trying to do. But I think what I want to do next is talk about the specific strategies that we would use as regards time. Now, if we look at a lot of you know sort of popular literature um in my experience again most of it is talking about very similar things as I was just saying what we're trying to do is not just find more time we're trying to manage our relationship to time and a lot of that is about focus so there's a massive intersection between these sort of ultradian circadian rhythms And also the idea of flow, getting into flow and what focus means. So that's what I really want to try and unpack and look at like, what is the kind of time that we're trying to capture and how do we manage it? And also how do we become more aware of it? Because one of the biggest challenges when it comes to this idea of time management is believing it. It has to not just be an intellectual thing. A lot of what you're doing is you're training your body to believe in a different narrative to these other toxic deadline-based narratives. So if we view those two ideas, um, and again, they're emblematic. They're not necessarily you know, 100% going to overlay onto your reality. But one is, again, this idea of crunching the deadline um, and using that as a motivating factor, you, like compression of time and pressure as a way to motivate us forward. The other is like maybe what we could sort of view as like the ideal productivity sort of science-based method, which is, again, where we're trying to build ritual, we're trying to focus, we're trying to avoid multitasking, we're trying to appreciate the circadian and ultradian rhythms, and a lot of that is about sitting down and working for one-hour blocks or less. There's a couple of different strategies that people tend to employ and then making sure we disengage and relax. So a lot of this is about you know avoiding the phone, right? Like really getting rid of that sort of garbage. Um, sitting down, creating space and time for us to work undistracted. Training your brain to trust. Training your entire physiology to trust that if we focus for this hour, we're going to get a break. And we're not going to get distractions. We're not going to get someone coming in. We're not going to have to get confused we can relax and we can actually put all our effort into there. And I think that takes both, it takes time for your body to trust that that's going to happen so that you actually get the benefit of it. It also, I think, takes a while for your conscious mind to notice that it's actually working and then try and find ways of doing more of it. So there's a couple of concepts here, right? One is like, there's the theory of why it works. Then there's like how you actually get it happening. And then there's the idea of what happens as you over time do more and more of this, because it's like a skill that you build. The more of this focus work that you do, the better you get at it, the more you notice it works, the more you sort of want to do it. Again, these are all things that require maintenance. And again, I often find myself sort of straying off from that and being like, oh, but could I watch a YouTube video and listen to this thing while I try and do this task? And some tasks I can and some tasks I can't, right? But what I'll say is that in all cases, I, I mean, I can 100% confirm that my productivity is damaged to some degree if I do other things. So if we look at on one end of the spectrum, we could sort of say, here's me working, right? I'm sitting down at that desk and I'm drawing a comic book page and I don't have any music. I don't have any distractions. Uh, I'm not thinking about anything else happening in the day. Um, I know I've got like plenty of time to do it. And my whole focus is just doing that. I've got my phone turned off, right? I'm not looking at anything else. The other sort of side of the spectrum is, you know, sort of what like the worst case, case scenario that I've kind of seen, um, you know, from a like sort of student situation, which is like where you have a student who is sitting in a room full of other students. And in front of those students is a world class professional who's doing a master class on how to become a professional artist. Everyone in the room is a student. They're paying money to be there. They're doing these things. So there'll be someone who is sitting in that audience and they're not listening to the stuff that's going on. What they have is they have headphones on. And what they're doing is they're watching someone on YouTube, right? Do something. It's often they're watching someone play a video game on YouTube. And what they'll often be doing is then sort of being on their phone at the same time, right? Sort of scrolling through whatever, right? Um, Like Discord, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. So it's like the level of distraction is so extreme that it's kind of just completely frying the brain, I I would say. Um, And so that's like a good example of like, you know, you're like fully maxing it out, right? You're looking at one thing, but you've got another thing going on. Uh, you know, and and then we're like sort of looking at our phone at the same time, right? So like multiple auditory um, sort of constructs going on at the same time, multiple sort of things. Um, And again, from my experience, if we look at that from a spectrum, uh, like the difference between me not, not listening to anything, right, means I'm more productive. So if I'm not listening to music, I find I'm more productive. I get into flow and I really sort of start to like focus. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've been doing this for ages. And I look around and it's like, oh, it's only one hour has passed. And I've done like a whole page, right? And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, If I'm listening to music, I often find uh, that there's a minimal impact on my productivity personally. If I'm listening to a podcast, there's there's like a pretty significant decrease in productivity. It, it's kind of more like, and I'm just spitballing, but it feels more like it's kind of like 10%, right? Like 10 to 15% of my productivity gets lost if I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook. Now, the quality of that, right? Like how stressed or how dramatic or how much that's going to make me think, is um is going to play a factor in, right? So maybe we could say on the low end, it's like maybe you know again 10% distraction if it's just something really chill you know it's one of these kind of podcast episodes maybe like this right with this there's not a lot of drama going on it's fairly long i'm not worrying about like oh in half an hour this is going to end i need to go find something else what am i going to do um you know it's it's like pretty relaxed on the you know on the 20% end it, it might be like you know yeah it's trying to be really dramatic or it's uh you know something political is making you think about something making you frustrated you know, audiobooks are often like a, a pretty good sort of ground here. Right, for me, yeah, it's going to knock like ten to fifteen percent of productivity off. Right, again, that, and that's because I do a lot of timing. Right, so I'm pretty aware of like what does and doesn't affect me. If I'm watching something on YouTube, so podcast, but on YouTube, and I'm like looking at it, again, that's like a solid twenty. Twenty to twenty-five percent, like hit, even if it's like a three-hour podcast or something, and I'm just sort of looking at two people talking, and like maybe every ten minutes or so, I sort of glance up and I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's what's happening. Um, it's it's a fairly significant amount. Now, you know, it, it kind of goes downhill from there, right? So if I'm then sort of thinking about like, okay, I've got this thing happening. But then I start to get into a distracted mindset, right? It's not, again, me listening to a video podcast on, on YouTube that's going for three or four hours and, you know, I can just kind of like zone out. Again, in that case, it's still a 25% hit on productivity and focus, but it's not that bad. If I'm then sort of thinking about like, oh, I'm sort of talking to someone on my phone or I'm like talking to someone at work via chat and, you know, every half an hour there's things coming up that's when I think it like, it really drops to so sort of, yeah, sort of 25 to 50%, right? It's it's taking a serious hit at that point. And, you know, again, once I start doing silly things like, uh, oh, I'm going to like, you know, check Instagram every now and then, and then like, oh, what's this happening? And then you sort of get into a completely different mindset, which is sort of more like, oh, this person said that thing on this thing, let me go search that. And and you just sort of really get out of the idea of sort of focus. So, again, there's a huge spectrum there, right? And where we want to be, I think in most cases, is up at this sort of silence slash audiobook slash music sort of realm, right? And you know what that is for you, what your tolerance is for that, what you find is going to take you out of flow. But the more you can spend time in that kind of flow state where you are fully focused, the more you'll appreciate it and the the less you kind of get distracted by other things in, in my experience. But In order to trust that we are not just going to be focusing all day, um, which I think is often what happens is the distraction becomes because we get bored or, or our focus slips. So this is why it's such a complicated dance here. What we're trying to do is not just kind of force ourselves away from this idea of getting distracted by phones. We're really also trying to make it, really far less interesting and far less of a distraction that comes up. And the way you do that, I think, is by trying to compress the amount of work you're doing into more sort of focused chunks of time. And again, there's a lot of strategies for this. Um, but the key thing to, to, to pay attention to is, again, your ultradian rhythm, which is just a kind of like a one or two hour kind of like cycle of um, focus versus sort of lack of focus. Now, I don't necessarily think that there's like a huge point in like trying to track what your ultradian rhythm is, right? Um, and again, I, I don't know because obviously you'd say the ultradian rhythm is kind of going all day and you are going to be like more alert or less alert, more alert or less alert. Um, and what you're kind of trying to do is essentially kind of like sync, sync up with that wave. Um, I think that the the most important thing to do is just to appreciate that we kind of don't have that much sort of focus time. Um, and it's I don't think it's so much about like trying to sync up with that wave and, and view that. Although I think what you can do is just appreciate when you do feel like you're lacking focus and it's taking you a lot of energy to kind of keep focus on something and, and you just kind of want to break versus when you do feel like, oh, I'm really looking for something to do. And just pay attention to your body and how you feel throughout the day. As I've said many times, one of the main things you can do from a day, right? A circadian rhythm time is to figure out where in the day is your primary focus and energy time where you feel alert, you feel like creative, you feel like, yeah, everything's working. Everyone's different. The key is to find yours and what yours is like this month, this day, this week. And to try and be appreciative of that. So that's, the circadian rhythm is the 24-hour rhythm. And, you know, you often hear things about like, you know, it's, it's three o'clock. We've got like four o'clock-itis, which is where typically at work in that sort of 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. time slot, everyone kind of just wants to take a siesta. And we could, you know, argue about whether or not that's because we're, you know, evolutionary designed to, to be sort of biphasic in our sleep patterns. Um, but it certainly seems that, You know, there's a time in the afternoon where we have, you know, generally the circadian rhythm is going to give you less focus. And again, I think it's the key is just not to fight these natural rhythms. If you have a time of your day where you notice like you're really wanting to do stuff and that's persistent, consistent, then just organize your day. So you really put some tasks there that require that full focus. There might be some other times where, again, you could still do useful work. So for me, that would be like coloring comics, um, you know, sort of adjusting, you know, lettering or or doing some really sort of mundane art tasks. It could be, um, you know, sort of cleaning my studio, listening to to something, listening to a podcast. It could be just like, that's when I'm going to do my exercise, right? 3 or 4 p.m., right? And I'm like, okay, yeah, that kind of seems like that would work. If you time these things right and pay attention to it, it will give you a huge benefit. Um, because you're just lining things up and going with the flow. And going with the flow is not just something where you're kind of being airy, fairy, and flaky. It's where you're being the most sort of optimally, optimally scientifically productive, the most efficient. So again, this is where I think it's important to view like, here's what people, you know, and again, being derogatory um, and, uh, stereotypical, but here's what people in suits kind of who go to office buildings, who I don't really know much about, but there's people they go to go to office buildings in suits and, you know, they kind of have this like attitude, or at least there's a pervasive mythology about like having this, um, again, sort of control and, you know, like, like resisting the kind of, oh, I'm a bit tired and, oh, I had to feel like this, right. It's very sort of upright and like you know, look, this is what we've designed to do. And anything that's kind of a little bit more like, oh, I'm tired or I don't really feel like doing this is kind of like you're weak. Um, You're just being sort of airy fairy, uh, you know, like that's, you just got to focus and sort of suck it up. It's just important to understand that like that attitude is not optimum. Like it's pretty much sort of been proven that that's not the most productive thing to do it's not going to get more work done over over the days over the weeks it's much better to be like i'm tired i'll just go do something else right because it's that trust where you're listening to your body that will train you to be like when it's focus time i'm gonna go though and i think the real thing that again from my experience has taken me a long time and why i'm so passionate about this and i keep prattling on about it is that you'd be really shocked the degree to which you can get a lot of stuff done if you're focused and this is the thing that is the real paradigm shift for a lot of people who don't understand this and are sort of like oh no you're just going to kind of push through three o'clock itis right you know taking time off is for is for is for the week they're just not understanding how much work you can get done when you're rested and you have a ritual set up and you know that you're setting it up to work at a particular time and that's go time and you're not going to mess around. Um, yeah, I mean, it's absurd, right? So for instance, again, just taking a couple of examples of sort of what, what I've sort of noticed is like, you know, if I'm doing a comic book page, if I'm really focused and I sort of time everything right, like I, I can draw a comic book page in like, like, like drawing, inking, coloring, I can do it in an hour and a half go time, right? Um, you know, it's not like the most complicated page, right? But but that same page, if I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not really feeling it, I'm getting a bit distracted, right? Maybe I'm like in, you know, I'm a little bit below, a little bit less efficient than like listening to a podcast, right? I'm starting to get distracted, right? It's, 3, it's 3.30. I'm trying to listen to my audio book, but I keep thinking like, oh, this person said this thing on Twitter and this and oh, maybe I should check this and oh, I wonder if that and like, oh, yeah, what are we going to, right? It, it's like I'm just off my game because I'm, yeah, something's sort of distracting me. The same thing will take me two and a half hours. Now, they're both, it's not a huge amount of like difference in time, right? But it's almost twice as long. And I think that's often where the delta is between the, Understanding of what productivity like that can can be, and and the, the the fruits of that ideology, versus oh just sort of push through, As you feel like oh I'm pushing through and that's very good because I'm overcoming my sort of emotions, but uh, again it just doesn't work. It's just not as effective. It's not as efficient. So if I organize the day right basically what happens is I get more free time and I get more done, right? It's that simple. So what we're trying to do, again, is to optimize the focus. That really is the goal when it comes to time. So if we think about that as the goal of like, okay, how do we build this time where we have lots and lots of focus? Most of it comes from this idea of respecting the ultradian rhythm of, you know, one to two hours. Now, there's a couple of different strategies here. Um, you might have sort of heard of something called like the Pomodoro method, which is like the tomato timer method, which, again, is focused on, you know, sort of shorter time periods. And again, there's there's a variety of them, right? I have sort of heard like 15 minutes, 25 minutes. I've, you know, heard of students do like, you know, really sort of intense, like every 15 minutes, they take a break. Um, you know, sort of people like, oh, you work for 15 minutes, then you sort of get up and do five push push-ups or whatever, right? Whatever works for you. The key is that you want to make sure that you work for periods that are really no longer than an hour without a break. So a good way to sort of frame this is, again, that there's like a million ways you can dice this, but the core concept is you're training your body to understand that it will get a break. And when you do take a break, that it's, you know, going to be a real one, right? It's, you're not like, I'm instantly on your phone, right? You're like, go for a walk around the garden, go for a walk around your block, um, you know, get up again, do 10 push push-ups, uh, whatever you want to do, right? It's totally up to you. Um, you know, go make yourself a drink, take a break from doing what you're doing and, um, you know, look at different things. Don't look at your computer. Don't, don't look at your workstation, right? Get, get out of there. And it's that fundamental component the time is like, you know, again, people have success with different things, but the key is like engage, disengage, engage, disengage. And then you sort of can have these sort of units of work and focus that you can kind of play with. So, you know, a good example of how I would sort of do this um is that you know? I typically find it's kind of like a one-hour timer is what I sort of work with, right? So you know, I put the timer on, it goes for sort of sixty minutes, and then you know, I kind of have that five or ten-minute break, and I try and I just walk outside, I go do something else, I talk to you know, talk to people, um, and come back in, turn it on, focus. Um, and again, when you're building that ritual, it's so important to do these things to make your body trust. Once your body trusts that it's going to get relaxation, it's going to be able to focus more. And once it gets into that rhythm, then it's a lot easier later on to say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go through. I'm just going to work for another hour or, um, you know, my break is going to be me sort of answering an email or something like yeah, you can do that a few times. But I think the, the, the golden sort of rule is just to understand, look, the majority of the time you're going to take a break and you're just going to make sure that you're listening to that sort of sort of voice right? and not burning out. Now again for me this is this is something where it's a tool I've used to get myself to understand these things and certainly it's not something I'm using all the time but what I find again going back to the idea of tuning up our rituals and our habits is that every time I kind of find that my focus is slipping or I'm getting distracted by again stupid nonsense I go back to these tools Right, And I really you know scorched earth and go back and be like, "Okay, let's just focus." And I'm always like amazed at the degree to which the time is sort of deceptive, and I'm able to get a huge amount done when I actually sort of focus and and just do that. so it's it's always just yeah, we we're always capable of self-deception in terms of productivity, but the key is uh, for me that you know I will sort of do again, think about it as like two sets of 1 hour so you know maybe like you think about it as a 2 hour block um again sort of 55 minutes take a break of 10 minutes another 55 minutes and then I'll take a bigger break right maybe you know 20 minutes and uh you know then I'll sort of go back in do another sort of 2 hour block right sort of 50 minutes break and then maybe you know if I sort of do you know, Three of those, that means I've done sort of six pretty intense hours. And again, what I sort of find is if, if I'm really focusing that I'll get a huge amount of stuff done in that time. It's really kind of focus time. So again, it takes a while to kind of set these up. But this idea of leveraging focus, making sure you're getting into flow, you don't have distractions. You make sure you're relaxing and disengaging from the work and then you re-engage. All of these things are going to train that muscle of focus. It's the muscle of focus is the thing that you want. And the way you get sort of that muscle to be strong is you sort of work it and then you relax, right? You heal, you get the focus going. And there's a lot of good sort of, uh, you know, sort of literature on this. Um, again, you know, I've sort of talked about The Power of Full Engagement is a great sort of book that, you know, is one of the sort of earlier books that talks about this idea. And there's many sort of stories that people have sort of, you know, used in those books to talk about it. But again, you know, one of the, one of the things that is often um, sort of mentioned in, in those books is, you know, the idea of I think at one point they studied tennis players, you know, a lot of different people playing sports and they found that, you know, the difference between the really good player and the player who, you know, was maybe not, you know, number one or or wasn't, you know, an elite level um, professional tennis player was that, you know, the people who are really good just took more breaks. So you notice that a lot of tennis players um, in between, you know, sets and in between sort of shots, they, they kind of like focus on their racket, right? They go on sort of like fiddle with the strings. So they're not fiddling with the strings. I don't think to do anything, although I might be mistaken. In most cases, what they're doing is like full disengage of the visual paraphernalia of like what happens when you're on point. And so every time they can just fully disengage their body and their sort of nervous system, their sort of vision and let it relax and just fully turn off what you kind of notice is that, again, over time, that will equate to like a significant portion of rest over an entire game. And it's often that that sort of ability to sort of disengage and then engage that will give you the extra focus you might need. And it's often focus that is going to be the difference between sort of winning and losing in those instances. It's often you seeing things a little bit faster than your opponent that will be the, the factor that leads to victory. Luckily, we're not in a zero sum game with art. But again, what we're constantly trying to do is imagine maybe we are and the more that we can engage focus, the better we will be. So everything you can do to completely disengage from the work uh, regularly, the better. And again, this is something that you have to experience to trust. And that's why it's always good to have timers, right? So that you can notice like how much time has passed, right? So often a good trick I'll do is, you know, I have to sit down to edit a video or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'll just sort of put the timer on and be like, you know what, I'm going to try and get this done in an hour. Let's see how long this takes, right? And I'll really kind of focus on doing it. And it's just, again, I'm I'm not always timing myself and really trying to be Prescriptive about it, but it it gives me a good awareness of, like, oh, right, Um, you know, I was doing this and it was all going well. And I was like, you know, oh, it's only 10 minutes past. I got this job done, this job done. And then I get distracted by something because I don't understand how something in the program works. So then we get derailed, right? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, half an hour went by. So a lot of it is, you know, staying on task, staying on focus. Like, is there a way I could solve this without? breaking off from what I'm doing and going on the internet, right? Um, like, is there something I could do to kind of stay in flow or just kind of keep doing what I'm doing and maybe like put that off to another time and just keep that sort of focus again, lots of different ways you can handle this, but, um, yeah, the, the, the 20 minute time might be something that, you know, might work if you, if you want a shorter period of time, again, set a 20 minute timer, 25 minute timer. Um, it sort of goes off. And again, just sort of get up, do something else, right. You know, sort of jump up and down, walk around your house, walk around your block, do whatever you want. Um, go get a drink, disengage, um, you know, come back and do it again. And again, it's this training of that muscle that is ultimately going to make the difference. But what we're doing here is, respecting the ultradian rhythm right the fact of like how focus actually occurs and the more that you work this into your schedule the easier that ritual will be and what we're trying to do here is combine that with our idea of ritualistically sitting down and the more that you can do that the more that you find that those little periods of time within those sessions become more and more productive It's also worth looking at this idea of an infradian rhythm or a rhythm that is longer than a day. Now, again, this could be some sort of biological rhythm, but it is also just an appreciation for the way that we tend to have a seven-day week cycle, which is completely arbitrary, but, you know, still useful because what I will find is that you know, I do need a break every now and then, right? And there is a loss of this efficiency in focus if I just, you know, work seven days a week. So there's a balance here. If I just keep working and keep working and keep working and I don't take a break, then what I find is eventually I kind of burn out. And once we burn out, we become less effective. It becomes harder for your body to trust, like that there's this focus here. We're going to focus. It's like, oh yeah, I don't really believe you. We're just going to do this again and again and again. And I think it's, uh, there's an element of the uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Um, You know, you take a break from it and, uh, you know, then I'm sort of really keen to get back to it the next day. But if I don't do that, then I sort of get sick of it. So again, this is very much dependent on you, but just appreciate that it is good to optimize that because again, it's a false economy. If you're, you know, focusing and trying to just jam in more and more days to the week, And at some point you burn out and become less effective and less efficient. And then ultimately you probably could have been getting the same amount of work done in way, way less time. And you could have had time off and you could have enjoyed it. And that typically is like the entire equation I'm normally working with, right? Is just trying to optimize that idea and make sure I'm not being silly, right? I'm just sort of wasting time that could be spent doing fun things. Okay, so we've been going on for quite a while. What I want to do is talk about some really quick sort of tactical things that are worth thinking about. So again, this is sort of encapsulating and trying to direct some of the thought that we've, uh, you know, explored over the last uh, hour or so. So the first is that, again, a big part of what we're trying to do, and I'd say you should try and do, is tactically to understand the goal here is to find and create and manifest special time. So this is time where we're especially focused and we're especially alert and we're especially primed to create, to do our artistic thing. Now, again, as we've discussed, there's a variety of ways that you're going to do that. But just understand that really is the goal. You're trying to build and create time within your life. And we want this time to be a time of focus, a time of flow, a time where we view it positively And it could be at night, it could be a day, it could be whatever you want. But that really is the core. You're trying to find special artistic time and capture it and codify it into your ritual from day to day, hour to hour, week to week, year to year. Something we haven't talked a lot about that I will go into in the next episode where I'm really going to talk about how space and our location and how we use space and uh, our movement through space and time to really sort of help build the ritual. Um, The idea there is a one of an on and off ramp. And this is where often you have to consider not just, okay, that focus time, but how you get onto it and how you get off it. So often we need to key ourselves into periods of focus and intense focus and a big part of what will, again, like it's similar to the idea of thing that will allow you to focus is the relaxation that comes before and after that period of time? It's the same thing where the thing that will allow you to um, really sort of go into that rich, ritualistic state and you know do your thing, where like whatever it is, you know you get up at five in the morning before everyone else is awake in your house, and you have like one and a half hours where you know you know guaranteed no one's going to wake up and you can just do your art. There's probably, um, you know, a little bit of time before that actual sitting down to do work and a little bit after where it's good to engage and disengage your creative mind and your creative process. This is what I call the on-ramp and the off-ramp. The on-ramp is important because it's the thing that keys you ritualistically into its go time, its focus time. Often these are just daily rituals that we do anyway, like sort of having breakfast or having a shower or, um, you know, transitioning from one place to another. Again, I'll go over a lot of that in the next episode, but time plays a role here. You do need a bit of time before and after these things to make sure that you are giving yourself space to actually get into the right mindset. And again, the more things ritualistically you can do to encapsulate that time, the better. Often what people will do is have quite elaborate sort of daily rituals and there's even a, a book on this that you uh, might talk about in the second, uh, in the next episode um, that really sort of talks about all the crazy rituals that sort of artists and creative people have had over the years. But again, a lot of them will go pretty far into the sort of crazy town and um, And yeah, it's just important to understand. It's like, look, whatever you want to do, Um, again, it can be good to, you know, have a shower or um, do some sort of water therapy, right? It sounds silly, but that will often really key you into like, oh, I'm in a different space and time now, right? Like something has changed. Whatever it is, just make sure you appreciate that there is some time that is needed to get on to this sort of period of focus, and you need to figure out what that is for you, how that works for you. Just as important is the off ramp. Now, this is less important for the focus time because again, you're going to be thinking like, "Well, okay, I finished doing my thing, right? It's uh, you know, you got up at uh, 5 a.m. and you know, you sort of spent 15 minutes getting into your studio or whatever. You spent that you know hour and a half or whatever, and 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 now it's like you could spend another 15 minutes after this, but Often what you need to do is make sure that as you disengage from your creative practice that you're coming back into the real world, right? You're coming back into verbal land, which means that when everyone else in your house wakes up, uh, you'll be able to talk to them. and <laughs> They won't be like, ah, oh, get out of your artistic head. So it's a lot of these things, right, where, again, it just helps to give yourself that space. And the time is like the space and time buffer that you use to create. Now, it's not just important for other people, but it's important for you to trust that next time you go in there, you're not going to get out of that creative rhythm and then run back into sort of, you know, the brick wall that is sort of real life. Now, if you get that transition and off-ramp smooth, then everyone's going to be like, oh, that's great, great you did that sort of work, right? Um, and because again, you're sort of feeling good, you're sort of focused and you're present on not this artistic stuff. If you don't get the off-ramp, it often feels like you're kind of still back in your studio and you're sort of in that more creative right brain modality, which can be really, really annoying for people because uh, you're not typically that good at sort of talking or, you know, consciously <laughs> engaging. So the more you do this, the more your body will kind of trust um, that doing that focus is good and it's sort of protected and okay, I, I can really sort of go full bore. I can, I can focus, focus, focus. Cause I know, yep. After we finish, um, I'm going to get a little bit of time to kind of recompose, figure out what I'm doing and then be like, oh, okay, now I got to get on with the rest of my day. So again, on ramp, off ramp, just as important as all the other elements, right? Um, you know, if you don't get them right often, you know, the wheels fall off. Something else that is worth mentioning that, again, can be a little bit sort of dangerous and tricky, but I think is nevertheless an effect of having a good sort of time focus habit is that even if you just spend like that hour and a half or two hours kind of doing your thing, right, maybe you're doing this as a hobby, you can only really spend a little bit of time fully in that artistic mindset, What you'll find is the more you do that, you kind of train the habitual systems within your mind to associate when I'm doing art, I'm focused. And when I'm focused, I'm doing art. And when I'm doing art, I'm focused. And so what you find is like then if you kind of crack open your sketchbook and you've only got 15 minutes, your body is just going to be like, oh, I'm in automatic art mode, right? Because you're doing art. And you're associating holding the pencil, putting it to paper, whatever it is, you're associating that with being in flow. The more you practice these things, the more they will just associate and the more you will be able to just kind of say, oh, I'm just going to do this for 15 minutes. And your body is just going to go into that mindset. It is just going to go into flow. And again, the more you practice these things and you get good at it, the more you will find that your ability to, to go into flow. And then exit flow, get into a creative mindset, right? Be able to kind of draw well or create well and, you know, not have the the editing, all that. It becomes a lot easier because your association is really sort of formed between focus and the art and the practice that you're doing. And again, if you sort of, you know, the, the, the more you respect that, the more powerful that connection will be, basically. Another really important tactical point is that it's vital to pay attention to your focus, and make sure that you aren't, you know, burning out. So really always have your sort of hackles up, right? Always be aware, have an ear out for when you are feeling a little bit burnt out and just really be careful if you push forward or sort of through that emotion. I think it's vital that we, you know, stay controlled and and make sure we're not sort of pushing that to any degree. Um, Again, this can be challenging in the beginning because you really don't want to where things start and stop. And that's why I recommend in the beginning, if you're just kind of starting this to make sure that you just really respect these times of focus and and sort of not focus. Um, But yeah, just important to realize that that can happen. If you find that your focus is waning, if you find that your body is getting tired, I think one of the best things you can do is try not associate drawing, right, and creating and trying to get into flow and sort of forcing this while you're doing it. Because like I was saying before, it's different sides of the same thing. The more that you associate the art and the creation process with being focused and in flow, the more that those states will start to merge and one will mean the other and the other will mean the other, Right. The more you associate being unfocused, burnt out, vague, and sort of struggling, right? Like clambering around to get focus on something with creating, the more that you will associate those two things. So that when, again, you pick up that pencil and you feel conflict, burnout, does that make sense? So again, it's really important to just focus on the associations. Like what does picking up a pencil mean to you? lastly from a tactical standpoint what I'd say is remember that this is about quality of time not necessarily quantity of time and once you get good at really maximizing like a small amount of time it's a lot easier to scale it up as I say once you get the associations working it's a lot easier then to scale up that feeling and be like oh now I'm able to do art everywhere else and again as long as you're not then you know, so I was just saying as long as you're not then just burning out and having that sort of feeling and you know redlining all your sort of you know mental physical state then again you you'll find you can you know expand that out you can do more sessions and more sessions and uh, again just sort of stop when it gets rough uh, but yeah it's all about the quality of time developing that sort of ritual in the beginning. All right. So I think I've covered most of the concepts here that I think are really important. What I want to do lastly is as normal, I'm going to try and sort of see if we can get some major takeaways from a couple of different perspectives. From an analytical standpoint, I think the biggest thing that has always struck me here is how important those biorhythms are. Our infradian rhythms, ultradian rhythms, circadian rhythms And that they really run the show. This is what often is at the heart of sort of burnout, um, not having focus, and again, just kind of like not really feeling right. I think it's also key here analytically to understand that, again, often what people might project as like, this is the way to be productive. Again, get up, do a nine to five job. That's, you know, good. Is really just presenteeism. The science supports that focus and productivity are much better achieved by going with the flow Um, and really listening to your feelings and listening to your emotions. Um, That over time, over weeks, months and years, the more you train this, the more productive you'll be. And again, that's certainly been my experience. I spent a lot of time worrying about these things where people were, you know, doing the normal things and I went to school and, you know, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to wake up in time, you know, I wanted to do my own artistic things and it was always felt that that was kind of being flaky. But again, my appreciation for that now is that it's really just a matter of doing flaky better going with the flow better, listening to how you feel better and maximizing that. And again, you know, facing hard truths there, you know, it's not necessarily easy. You need to train your body to go with the flow. But once you do that, that is going to be a lot more effective than any other sort of, you know, cookie cutter, put on a suit, go to work, um, be there and just push through um, the afternoon. From a simplified bro level advice, I think, The key here is just to understand that, you know, this is about you. This is about you finding out what works for you. And the you is the important thing here. This is less about you fitting some sort of pre-described, you know, productivity ultimatum and more about you figuring out how you tick, how you work, how time works for you, what your biorhythms are like. And if you do that, you unlock a lot of extra power. I think it's also worth considering everything I've sort of outlined to be a little bit more like sort of growing a garden. When you're sort of trying to grow something and build something like this, you're trying to create this ritual and this time for you to create art. In the beginning, there's kind of nothing and it takes a lot of energy to get these systems up and running. It's an ecology. You need to understand what's going on. When do you water it? When do you give it fertilizer? When do you do this? You mess a few things up and it kind of doesn't work, right? You get a dud. Once it's going, though, it kind of takes care of itself. It just needs maintenance. Once the garden is kind of flourishing, everything's working, you kind of just need to kind of get it in the right way. You need to do a little bit of weeding and it's going to go great. It's going to run and grow by itself. And to a certain degree, it will then sort of self-seed and keep growing and sort of become its own thing. But it does need maintenance you do need to keep thinking about it and nurturing it and when the seasons change when your life changes you do need to plant different things and think about it differently and reconsider how you're going to use that space and no matter how good it was if you kind of you know leave it alone then the weeds take control. And it's not something that you'll notice immediately. If you have a nice little garden, your ritual's going well, everything's, you know, nice. There'll just be one or two little weeds and it'll kind of seem maybe like, oh, that's just quirky. That's a bit of character. But if you really let it go, you find that, you know, soon that garden is just overrun with kind of weeds and things you don't really want. And it becomes not what it was. So, the key here is that these things take a lot of time and energy to manifest and get working. Once they do, they have a little bit of a life of their own and you can sit back and just maintain them. Make sure they're kind of going in the right direction. If seasons change, okay, we got to do a completely different set, you know, of, of planting um, and wait for that to flourish and get that working. And if you, you know, if you neglect it, it's, you know, not going to be that way for long, right? It does take consistent effort. All right, if we go for literal takeaways, like what what should you actually do right now? I think one of the most powerful things you can do is get a timer and just try and experience what your sort of feelings and emotions as, as relate to time actually are in relation to time. So, you know, when you, you know, go on whatever social media site, like how long does that take? When you're really just sort of plugged in and focused, how long does it take you to create some work? Just pay attention to this because it's very easy for that to be deceptive. So just get a timer of some kind, and you know you don't have to be super organized about it. Um, just kind of observe. You know, put it on. You know, at the start of when you're doing work, and just start to kind of feel it. You know uh, later on you can maybe try some of these things we're like okay i'm going to work for 50 minutes and i'm going to take a break whatever again those things will take time but initially just get a timer put it on the see like how long does stuff take what is actually going on other than that i think we can look at you know specific advice based on where you are in your artistic journey if you're just beginning i'd say the most important thing to do is start to build this space try and encapsulate some time in your sort of schedule and figure out like where is that space going to be. Make sure you have an on-ramp and off-ramp to it. And again, it might be hard if you're also trying to learn to do art at the same time because it's not like you're just trying to find time for it. You're trying to actually figure out what you're doing in that space. So figure out and work on just building the space, respecting the space, building this potential energy that you can then kind of use later on. Because again, if you get that unit right, then a lot of these other things take care of themselves. So just focus on the space, on the ritual, trying to get into flow, you know, draw things that are fun. Don't try and push yourself too much. Just build the space. Obviously by space there, I'm, I'm metaphorically talking about like time and space, space. So it, it's like sort of an area in your day or in your life, let's say again, just to be just to be clear. It's not necessarily, you know, physical space. It's like, it, it's a void of you know, time and energy that you can feel with your art um, and, and building that is more important. So, you know, e- even if you just kind of build the space and you sit around doing nothing in it, that's really valuable because it's giving you that potential energy in the future once you kind of figure everything else out. If you kind of already got some of this stuff under control and you're kind of thinking like, okay, how do I take this to the next level, right? How do I, you know, How do I maybe be more productive or get, you know, more in connection with with what I'm doing? I think the most important thing is to really look at optimizing these focus ideas. And I think the more that you can associate picking up a pen or a pencil or doing your thing with intense focus and going into flow, The more you can associate associate those things, the more that you will find that you're able to do more work in a good sort of state of mind. So I think that's, that's the main thing is just go through and just double check. Like, are we falling into these bad habits of like, you know, going on social media, like, you know, getting distracted? um while we're trying to work uh you know like is that helping us or not is that what you want to do just sort of do an audit on that stuff and, and make sure that you're you know have another go at the best practices and see if, whether that helps i need to make it super clear here that i'm not saying you don't go on social media you don't play video games you don't do anything sort of fun and you just sort of grind away and do art the point is you want to take a break right so you can imagine you know do do An hour of intense focus, you know, take a 10 minute break, you know, don't do any social media, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, do another hour, right? Right. Super focus, take a break and then go outside, get a beverage of your choice and just smash whatever stupid social media thing you're doing and just doom scroll for an hour or two hours, right? Like whatever you want, have fun. The key is to separate that stuff (laughs) from creating, right? It's really simple. You can still do that. It's just don't get them mixed up because they interfere with each other. That's all. And, you know, what I would say is I'm like, I can almost guarantee that the more you hack this sort of productivity-focused stuff, the more art you'll be able to get to do and the more, you know, doom-scrolling, whatever social media thing is kind of fun, right? And don't get me wrong, like those things are intensely entertaining, right? I mean, it requires zero effort. You can just sit there, you open open up one of these things and you just kind of scroll through stuff and it's entertaining, like you know there's something fun about that uh you know and and i think it's it should be we should like appreciate the uh the awesome nature of it uh just don't get it mixed up with your art lastly i'd say you know another common thing that happens is that we kind of lose the groove right so you know something happens in your life and you had a ritual maybe something was working for you and then ah it's not like not working anymore things aren't working i would what i'd say is i'd say you know, really take another look at it and just appreciate that these things do take maintenance. So, you know, I frequently gone from like, oh, okay, this thing is kind of happening in my life. And that means that I can stay up till three in the morning, right? And I'm doing that kind of late night thing. And then, you know, the next year it's turned around and I'm like, look, I can't do that at all. Um, and I really sort of need that space and time because I'm just kind of used to having like at least one or two hours of like me just in full sort of, you know, there's, you know, it's sort of late at night, right? And I'm just used to that because that's, you know, time I can kind of really focus on my own sort of work, right? And every, you know, a few days a week, I like to do that. Um, You know, and I had to say, well, the only other way I can do that is if I get up early, right? So I completely flip it around. And all I'd say is just appreciate that, you know, you probably are capable of that. And, you know, it's sort of horses for courses, whatever stage of life you're in, you might need to drastically change things around. But just remember the goal again is to get that space that is yours, that sort of special time. And, uh, you know, you might need to kind of, you know, flip everything upside down, really reconsider it, but that the, you know, the end result of that will be very much worth it. Lastly, if we look at these concepts from a spiritual sort of philosophical takeaway, I think it's really important to understand that focus is not just important for art. It's that training ourselves to do this, to go into flow, to you know engage and disengage will help us with all sorts of other things in life. I think that it's a lot easier to be present with other people when we know that we've focused really hard with our art and our creative practice. So it's not just skills that are going to be useful for drawing whatever cool stuff you want to draw, that, you know, learning to focus, learning to go into flow, learning to, you know, do the things that you want to do is going to help a lot of other areas of your life to be able to get that kind of clarity. And again, you know, I think in general, if you can use this as a good way to master, um, you know, engaging in nonsense on your phone, uh, then that's going to be a huge benefit as well. Because again, I think what, we really want to do, and what I found to be the most sort of beneficial thing of sort of digging into this is enjoying other things that maybe I was feeling like I was procrastinating. Um, you know, in, and, and doing them instead of art. And I think, again, if we really sort of get this stuff under control, it means you can enjoy chilling out, you can enjoy relaxing, you can enjoy your sort of escapist activity, like a doom scrolling on your phone while you do something or going for a walk or, um, you know, playing with, you know, kids or um, whatever it is, right, whatever it is that's kind of separate, right, that, uh, you know, maybe there would be that conflict. If you know you are gonna have that time each day or each week or whatever it is, you know you're gonna be out of focus. It means that the rest of your time, you know that's gonna happen because you've done it a hundred times, a thousand times. And it means you're a lot more relaxed, a lot more present, and a lot more engaged with you know everything else, which I think can be a real challenge for artists because we are often a bit disassociated and often sort of fairyland. And certainly that's something I've used a lot to help me try and focus as much as I can. I don't always get it right, but again, I think mastering these areas of focus allows us to live a more complete life where, again, we can even enjoy the more devious things that we get up to um, properly. All right, I think that's all I've got time for on this one. I've gone way, way, way over the amount of time I thought it would take for this one, which is sort of interesting. Let me know in the comments below whether you feel like we went into too much detail or not enough detail, if you, you know, this is sort of too long or whatever. Um, Again, I think it's always fun to to go deeper into these concepts and really sort of understand them. Um, But let me know what you think. Um, I've been really sort of keen to see the response so far. I've read everyone's comments. I really, really appreciate all the thoughts and ideas that you sort of shared below. Um, I've also got this up on Spotify and Apple podcasts. If you want to sort of check that out, I'll put some links in the description on YouTube, or if you are listening to this as a podcast, again, there is a video version of this on YouTube, if you want, and, uh, wherever you are, you know, leave me a review, um, subscribe, like, etc. all that stuff helps all of the algorithms and all that kind of junk, which, uh, again, I appreciate. Uh, but other than that, we will catch you around on the next one.